we dedicate this episode in memory of our friend, Eric Arsnault. I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. And now, giving you access to the locker rooms and the minds of the independent scene, here are the curtain jerkers of pro wrestling podcasting. Mike Crockett. Actually, I prefer to be called Maestro. And the kingpin, Brian Malonis. He's the win, and nobody beats him. This is the wrestling podcast about nothing on the New Age Insiders Network. Welcome to the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, episode 42, presented by BDARadio.com. There are so many pro wrestling podcasts out there covering every facet of the business. So we went to BDA Radio and said we had a different idea for a podcast. Everybody's doing something. We'll do nothing. They said, watch wrestling podcast about We said nothing. And thankfully they said, we think you may have something here. So here we are. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring. And joining me as always is a veteran of the New England Independent Mat Wars, the Irresistible Force, the Immovable Object, the Mute Kingpin, Brian Malonis. I was uh, in attendance at the Chaotic Wrestling event on Friday evening. Yeah. And... Uh, you had a promo segment. Yes. And you didn't say anything. Well, because I knew you were now in the house, and I didn't want to make you feel uncomfortable. Thank you very so, much. That was for you, Mike. Much appreciated. That was for you, buddy. So uh, if you come to the next show, it'll be a lot of silence again from me, because I don't, <laughs> don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. <laughs> Thank you. You're very, you're very accommodating. I appreciate it very much. I did push the shit out of Johnny Vegas, though. <laughs> That's what I I did see that, yes. Did he... Uh, he, he took one of those... Uh, Neck snapping on the ropes kind of deal? <laughs> he owed me money, so... <laughs> <laughs> he did. <laughs> I think he thought he did after I pushed him. <laughs> so, yes, Chaotic Wrestling, you're back once again. Yeah. So what's next? Do you do we know? Or should we uh, stay tuned? <laughs> what, do we just want to give spoilers away? Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> alerts. <laughs> cool Fury, let's give us the card. Give, run down the full card. <laughs> well, well, we'll have to see. Uh, we'll have to, we'll have to see what's next. Well, uh, there's a big. I'm one. sure there's there'll probably be some repercussions for my hands on the general manager. I suppose so. We'll have and you'll have that. to come to Uber on February 24th to find out. There you <laughs> go. CalgaryWrestling.com for tickets. And before go. that, though, it's the old uh, TPT, as the kids say. That's right. Is that this coming weekend? Yes, it is. The top prospect tournament. I am the top prospect. Well, you are among eight, correct? <laughs> You're among eight. I'd like to consider myself the top prospect, Mike. Well, we'll find out after the tournament is over. <laughs> but it starts in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on Saturday evening? Yes, Saturday. So the be- the best is going to be, Mike. The best is going to be, like, it's already going to happen. And then we can't even talk about it until until it airs on TV. Yes. Well, <laughs> uh, well you know, we can make special cases, right? So it's no, a podcast. Oh. no, we can't. No spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. No spoilers. We're right, spoiler- well, this is a spoiler-free zone. I'll uh, I'll retweet the uh, spoilers on the uh, WPA on a Twitter. Would you, so, why would you do that? Don't so, do that. Uh, keep your eye on for that, folks. <laughs> <coughs> no, 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 no. No, we want people to watch the TV, buy tickets. Hey, hey, hey! If you want me to get a job there, we gotta I gotta move some tickets, man. I gotta I gotta make some ratings move. <laughs> well, I'm still uh, you know I'm still undecided on whether I want you to get a job or not. <laughs> oh boy, we'll see we'll see what happens. You're gonna be sabotaging me during the tournament. <laughs> we'll see. I'll come on trip you and stuff like that. Yeah. Fast counting. <laughs> no, I won't be in the ring. Believe me. The hiatus is on. The hiatus is on for uh, the foreseeable future. It's because you're out of shape. 
What does that mean? <laughs> I've never too uh, much uh, non-fat yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> but it's non-fat. <laughs> you, you know, for a fat guy, you're not very jolly. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we uh, had the Royal Rumble Summit last week. It was a, a big hit, it seems like, on the New Age Insiders Network. Thank you very much for uh, listening to that last week, folks. And we're going to be doing that for all the pay-per-views going forward. We're going to bring in a couple of. Uh, Extra bodies, a couple we, of uh, wrestling pals. We saw our compadres at Chaotic Wrestling this past weekend. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we Things saw Things are all good between me and Bill. It's all good. I Yeah, well, I didn't <laughs> see you converse directly. I, I met Bill for the first time, Bill Neville, yeah. and uh, he was a very pleasant fella, but uh, I didn't see you converse with him, yeah, really. Yeah, we shook hands. Said hello. You shook hands? Yeah. Did you have your like, fingers crossed behind your back? Is your, uh, <laughs> no, I just, nice? the, I just had gone to the bathroom and didn't wash my hands. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He stink palmed him. <laughs> stink palm. Good lord! Oh, Bill Neville's just finding that out for him for the first time right here on the wrestling podcast about nothing. A treat. Yes, that's that's very nice of you. Very nice. Well, today on the wrestling podcast about nothing on the NAI Network, we've got that promo about nothing for you as always. And tonight we're going to talk a little bit about booking on the independent scene. A lot of people talking about Brian. Uh, they want more stories from us. They want more tales from our time in the independent wrestling scene. So I think this is a good segment uh, to let the folks in on uh, what goes on, where we're from. Well, I'll have plenty to talk about, but I don't ever remember you booking a wrestling promotion, Michael. Well, I was... I was uh Booking in the Shadows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like Wrestling with Shadows, it's Booking in the Shadows. It's the name of my uh, upcoming documentary. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get into that in just a second, but you guys know the deal. We got two big podcasts each and every week. We got this one on Monday on the NAI Network, and on Thursdays we do a podcast exclusively for BDA Radio. Look for our poll Monday evening at the WPAN on Twitter to help decide the topic for this week. You can get those BDA bonus episodes plus the first 38 episodes of this podcast on the Wrestling a Podcast About Nothing feed on your favorite podcast platform, or you can see it all at BDARadio.com. All right, Brian, let's get right into it. Booking. I'm a booker. <laughs> I'm a booker, Jerry. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, Brian... You had many dealings over the years with uh, authority figures. Well, the uh, with uh, 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 yeah, legitimate authority. Yes, figures. with management and with bookers. How did that compare to you know dealing with bookers and trying to get your ideas across to them, or sharing ideas with them, or getting feedback from them to being a book yourself, being in the other position? Well, it's. I mean, it depends on who the booker is, as far as how my relationship went with them. Right. Um, but then as you go along, too, especially if you spend time in a company um, and you get more experience, your voice tends to have a little more clout. You know, So in the days of when Fat Pants was booking Chaotic and I was just starting out, I might throw an idea at him, but odds are he probably wasn't going to listen to me. You know? Right. Um, not, 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 not listen. That's not fair because I'm sure, I'm sure there were times he listened to me. Um, right, yeah. He listened, take it in, and uh, probably summarily <laughs> yeah. <snarly> reject it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> more ugh, <it> stinks <laughs> <laughs> yes um so but uh, you know as time went along and i mean i'll just go out there and say on record i think jamie's the worst <laughs> the worst booker i've ever seen in my life who jamie jamikowski he, oh he, my goodness it's okay he knows that he knows that <laughs> yeah the the majority of what we're gonna be talking about here folks is uh you know chaotic, chaotic wrestling is yeah, where we that's, where yeah. we cut our teeth in uh professional wrestling that's kind of where, where we I, both worked in the the office as they say yes yes 
Yeah, I've told Jamie that I think he's the worst booker ever. Uh, I mean, conversely, I think that the best, uh, the best and smartest booker I've ever worked for is Jim Kettner. From the ECWA in Delaware? Yeah, just the way he ran a tight ship. Uh, it was his way or no way. I remember uh, you might you might have been part of this match where I went over like a minute and a half and he made me feel like I, <laughs> you know, kicked a puppy or something, <laughs> you know. Like, um, like just yeah, he a- was very strict. Like uh, there was one time where at the arena in Delaware, there are the house lights are off. And they bring in their own um, lights to light the ring. So there's two big lighting rigs on either side of the ring that light the ring. So I'm supposed to get time cues as the referee from the table, which is beyond the ring and kind of in the dark. (laughs) So it's difficult for me to see the – I think it was actually Jim Kettner himself giving time cues. And I didn't see the time cue. I didn't relay the information to – the wrestlers because i didn't have the information and that was uh and you know speaking of you know jim Kettner being such a like a, a stringent booker he he would give uh, evaluations to i don't know if you ever got this but i got an evaluation one time via email where like you know a word document saying like you know what Goodness. you do what you can improve on no i never received that <laughs> and what and he said though you know what i can improve on is giving time cues because of the time where I couldn't see what the hell was going on. And, you know, the guys went a little bit over on time. Yeah, he was very... Uh, so it was your fault I got yelled at. It might, it might have been. It might wow. have been that match. Thanks. I don't know. You've been ruining my life for years, apparently. <laughs> um, you know, and I, and I joke about Jamie. He's going to get all... I don't want him to get all upset about, about that. Um, I, I got to give the background of it now. Jamie, Jamie <laughs> the reason why I say that is Jamie's famous statement here, let's keep it simple. And then it's like... It's like this crisscross <laughs> diagonal, you know, six-parted, you know, storyline to get two guys to hook up for a championship. So, well, if the thing don't about, get upset, Jamie. The thing <laughs> about um, Jamie booking, I'm I don't think he set out to be the booker. No. What happened is our friend Mucko, who we'll talk about a little later on, uh, he left, and then Fat Pants was around for a little while longer, and then they were a team, but then Fat Pants was by himself, and then Fat Pants decided to step away because he was getting more commitments with Ring of Honor, and he couldn't be around. So Jamie just by default kind yeah. of every had time to step in. Yeah, every time he's end up, ended up the booker, it was it was by you know default somebody had left right um, you know and then i remember when um tarzan our good buddy tarzan and another friend of ours uh, uh kevbo came in to be the bookers tarzan is one of the best bookers i've ever worked with too tarzan was really smart he took chances he knew when to take chances um listen to the crowd yeah i i think tarzan's shortcomings come more from the dealing with the talent side of it yeah and um just being kind of yeah short-tempered and uh yeah. Yeah, and when he and when he quit, that's kind of when I you know, had a bigger started having a bigger hand in the booking and took it over. Um and then I talked our good friend into coming back and helping me. <laughs> Who's that? Tarzan. Oh. I I talked him into coming back and helping me. And we, I thought we had a great a great thing going, but I was just, you know, and we'll get into why, you know, why and how I reached burnout point so fast with it. Yeah. And Tarzan was kind of reaching the same, but um, the absolute worst part of booking is dealing with talent. Um, yeah, I, I will say that it's the absolute worst part of it, and and I'm as guilty as anybody for giving bookers a hard time. Um, yes, you are. <laughs> but I'm also of the mindset though of the things that would really piss me off would be 
we did an angle where somebody, you know, that Sean Gorman had taken over the company. The match for the control of the company between Brian Fury and and, and Warbeard Hansen. Okay, and they were we they were put on before intermission and told they can do whatever they want to do. There is absolutely no restrictions on them. That it was like a hardcore match, and then that was for control of the company. And I was a champion at the time, and I was wrestling Sean Burke, and we were left in the main event spot like which made no sense to me whatsoever like if anything's going to trump the the championship it's the ownership of the company or whatever and i i very much live by the the mindset of like there are certain like younger guys on the roster they i I took their ideas but if i didn't like them i overruled them but the my the veteran guys the guys have been around for a while the guys who i built trust in if they really were pushing me on something, it would become, okay, fine. We'll do it your way. you got to take the heat if it doesn't work out well. So that's the way I operate it. I guess, you know, not everybody needs to operate like that. So I don't know. I don't even know if there's a right or wrong there, I guess. Yeah. Um, but- you know, it's, there's a lot of gray area. But those are the type of situations that frustrate me now. Certainly, I don't go into new places and question things. I don't, you know, when I work new places, I don't go in and assert my will hey what are you doing here you know because it's just it's not my place you're not gonna walk into pittsburgh saying no, all absolutely. right <sighs> no nope, i'm gonna say thank you very much <laughs> so uh yeah you talked about how dealing with the talent is very difficult and you also alluded to the fact that was i even a booker what's what's going on i didn't see you around <laughs> that that's kind of you know you also talked about uh jamie taking over when uh fat pants left and I guess I was kind of ended up being like an underling for for Jamie. And the part that I had trouble with was talking to the talent because as a referee, I didn't feel like I had the know-how. I didn't feel like I had the, well, the confidence also to to go to, you know, two guys and say, all right, this is what you're going to do. You're going to, you know, roll up here, this and that there. It just, I, I just didn't have that uh, level of confidence. I didn't have the, the knowledge especially in comparison to the people I'm talking to most of the time to tell these guys, you know, how to do the finish of their match. You couldn't even talk to me though. I mean, I mean, pulling back the curtain, we worked together at our real jobs and I would come talk to you and you would give me the old, I don't know what you're talking to me for. I'm not the booker. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what you guys are doing. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah people would ask. Oh me, yeah. You would just play dumb. Like, Hey, what's going on with this? I, uh, I don't, I don't I know. know and you're, and, and aside from being a not so confident fella, you're also one of the worst liars <laughs> I've ever encountered <laughs> in my life. So your poker face is not good. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, so I had trouble. I had some good ideas. I had some not so great ideas, but Zakem. <laughs> yeah. My, my, kind of thing was i would come up with ideas for certain things and kind of go with my my big idea my world famous idea brian uh, of course is the blowout boys that's my claim to fame <laughs> in chaotic <laughs> wrestling which everyone is aware of i'm sure out there listening to the wrestling podcast about nothing of the blowout boys yeah. for people who don't know one of the blowout boys is currently a an official in nxt he's a currently a wwe uh, talent there you go referee but yes but yes what, one of the one of the more, more entertaining feuds probably of the last you know five six years in chaotic wrestling maybe may longer than that now geez i don't even know how long mercedes has been gone but uh, was uh, Sasha Banks and Danny E, who's a ref in NXT. It's funny that they're working together there now, but that was one of the more entertaining feuds, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, how it happened was these two guys, um, well, there were, Dan McGuire was his name in uh, 
in actually New Jersey, worked for Kevin Knight, who we've mentioned before on the podcast. And he would come up um, as part of like a talent exchange deal and work for Chaotic. And this other guy came and showed up on one show. Uh, Tommy Trouble was his name. And they looked kind of similar. And I remember a TV show called uh, Growing Up Gaudy, which was like the family of John Gaudy, the, you know, the mob boss. And they all had these terrible, awful... <laughs> haircuts with the the you know it's called the blowout where the the hair's all gelled and slicked back and and it like goes straight out from the back of their head it looks like you know someone uh you know the old um warner brothers looney tunes when someone gets shot in the <laughs> face with a shotgun you know the, the, the their hair would be like straight back off their off their head and that's how that's how they'd look and i thought this is the most obnoxious look in the world I think these two guys can pull off that obnoxious, terrible look and be like the most hateable heel tag team in the world. If, if you want to see what we're talking about, there's there's, a, there's like a viral video out there. You, you might know about this video. It's called My New Haircut. No. Search it on YouTube. My New Haircut. Go watch it. That's what the Blow Up Boys were. Mind you, this is a couple of years before Jersey Shore, which uh, right. kind of blew this thing wide open. And so these two guys with this terrible haircut, they say they're from New York and they uh it really New got- York baby yeah yeah <laughs> so Danny that called them Danny E and Tommy T and then we added the manager Alexis uh who's still around and we gave them the tag team titles they held they were the longest reigning tag team champions for a long time and as with most things that uh you know are good you want to keep them going even long <laughs> beyond their uh you know their their they stay longer than they should, I should say. And, you know, like with the NWO, you know, they, they just keep adding guys and adding guys. Oh, so, the different incarnations of the Blow Boys. Yes. So, that, yeah, one of them, Tommy, left or he's injured or, or he walked away from the business for a while. So we brought in... Who was Thomas? First? <laughs> we brought in Antonio Thomas. Who uh, Frankie was, Arion. Yeah, he brought in uh, uh, Antonio Thomas, the former WWF star, formerly one of the heartthrobs. Brought him in as Antonio T, and then Frankie Arion was Frankie A, and then like Danny's cousin was one of like Fra- he was Frankie A, I think, or something like that. I don't even remember. Yeah, so there was like four different incarnations <laughs> of Blowout Boys, and it went on way too long. We were just trying to recapture the magic, and. <laughs> That's how, you know, you come up with a good idea and you just kind of hang on to it a little too long. I, w- I will say about Danny, uh, it, like it, it's awesome that he's working for WWE, but it's like it's a shame that he's working as a ref. No offense, because he yeah. was one of the most entertaining guys I've ever seen. I remember uh, when they were feuding with Rick Fuller and Fred Sampson, who's Darren Young in WWE, uh, <laughs> Jamie, Jamie made up a rule with Danny E and it was if Rick actually catches you he gets to do whatever he wants to you <laughs> so just let the these and Rick Fuller is for people who aren't familiar with Rick Fuller he's a former WCW talent Rick 66 you know um you know usually in the neighborhood of, of 260 to 300 pounds somewhere in there uh, long hair, looks like an axe murderer. Looks like he could legitimately kill a man. The loudest chops. <laughs> yes. Pro- I'm sure. I'm sure the most painful as well. <laughs> You've dealt with that, I think. Uh, not the most painful. Most painful would be Brian Black. Oh, okay. Um, you, but those just because he had terrible, calloused, awful hands and would just <laughs> cave your chest in rather than slapping you. But uh, that's another story for another day. Yes. But, uh, so yeah, Jamie kind of made this rule with Danny and said if he catch it was like the the story was they were. They kept ducking Samson and, and Fuller, and 
and then they would just end up running away from them, and it would just lead to these awesome scenarios where Danny legitimately trying to get away from from Rick because Rick was trying to catch him legitimately. Yes, and it, these crazy dives over the top rope to the floor <laughs> and just awesome stuff, just awesome, awesome stuff, and and uh, hopefully maybe chaotic one day will get their heads out of their butts and do like some sort of on-demand service or something because there's lots of good footage aside from just all the names that have worked there but there's lots of good footage like that that's just entertaining stuff well, I, I think mean, they're doing classic footage on the fight tv app so check out chaotic wrestling on the fight yeah, TV maybe we'll app. throw some danny stuff up on there because he was i mean fantastic absolutely yeah. fantastic and then you know, a few years later robbie e shows up on tna programming oh, look at that huh? and the connection is kind of strange because Robbie Robbie E Rob Echoes was in Jim Kettner's ECWA with uh Danny and in that federation in that group they were brothers quote unquote Danny was Robbie's younger brother so then it's kind of like this strange kind of right now Mike is is, yes. is giving you a humble brag and saying he he created the Robbie E character well, you know, <laughs> the name is, it's very, uh, you know, it's a little coincidental. <laughs> is it a big coincidence or a little coincidence? <laughs> it's a big coincidence. Um, okay, Brian, let's talk about booking philosophy. When you're going to book out an angle, where do you start? The ending. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, where, where do you want to go? What's the, what's the ultimate place that you, that you want to end up? So, I mean, uh, do, you want me, do you want me to talk about the angle that I kind of, I mean, we had talked before about like each coming up with an angle, but, uh, you know. Please. Um, I mean, the goal, this is going back, I don't know, probably a couple of years now, I guess. But Jimmy Preston was kind of really hot, not just not just in chaotic wrestling, but like Jimmy Preston was like a thing online. Like, Yeah, he was the, like he was, the one-man thrill ride yeah. if you were a fan of barstool sports. Uh, he Barstool's, was. I mean, baseball teams were buying his T-shirt. They were inviting him to come hang out with them. He's on the MLB like, Network. Yeah, like he he really he really blew up. So we had decided it was, it was me and Tarzan that that was going to be our guy, you know. But we didn't want to. We wanted to take our time, build him up, and really, we sh- we really wanted to build him up. <laughs> you know, we really wanted to take the time and have like a, build this nice anticipation for him finally becoming champion so when we started kind of cultivating that angle or those ideas it was okay our goal is to end up with jimmy preston as the chaotic wrestling champion jimmy had only just even having matches in chaotic but nothing no feud no anything like that and he was a heel starting out yeah and you want him to be a baby face right um because he was getting a baby face reaction anyways right so it was just you know we didn't even have to like turn him it was just you know it was just the crowd was already cheering for him uh, and we thought you know, the one thing about Jimmy was um, Jimmy was very inexperienced in the ring mm-hmm. um, I think he gets knocked too much because I, I think I think he's a, I think he's a solid wrestler like I you know I think he's a solid worker you know he still needed to be with a guy who could elevate him and you know teach him so we thought there's no better guy on the roster to do that than Brian Fury. Brian had been at the top of the Catholic Wrestling card forever. He, Mr. New England. We all know Brian Fury's accolades and his abilities in the ring. And we thought this is going to be great, especially because of just the the clash of real-life personalities, too. Like, that stuff translates through, you know. You're saying Jimmy Preston kind of like... Uh... Jimmy Preston, the person, like, and 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 Brian, Brian Fury, the person, I think, are in, in a very real sense, and their real lives are very polar opposite. Uh, and their wrestling characters are very polar opposite. So I think, I think that bleeds through. And also, two guys probably not the best of friends either. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't think they hated each other or anything like that, but they weren't the best of friends. So, but th- all that stuff, like when you start thinking about like putting stuff together, like you start thinking about like, wow, this could really be something. This could really be something special here, and, that, and that's the way what we felt about you know about that that pairing. But the, again, the end goal was that that we came up in mind is we want Jimmy Preston to end up as the chaotic wrestling champion. How do we get there? Do you have a date in mind? Or? Cold Fury. Cold so Fury it would have been is... Cold Fury. Um, it would have been... Actually, no, that's not true because Cold Fury that year, the main event was Jack and Chase. So it would have been breaking point of that year. Okay, when... so Cold Fury is, is like the... I hate doing this, but it's like the WrestleMania of Cadillac <laughs> Wrestling. Yes. And breaking point's like the Summer Slam of, yeah. of Cadillac Wrestling. So, yeah, breaking, shows. yeah, breaking point's usually what, the second Jul- biggest July... Show. July-ish, so August, yeah, something. So the the first encounter, like we started, um, we had Fury, like Preston would cut these promos in his car, these really crazy intense promos, and we had Fury just attack him, well, in the midst of it. So it was it was it was great, and um, and that was kind of the kickoff for things, and we were building to the cold, the first match being at at Cold Fury. And the reason why this kind of whole angle is very, <laughs> very intriguing to talk about from probably from a people listening standpoint is it kind of had everything from meddling ownership <laughs> to one guy flaking out for lack of a better term to flip flopping of where we wanted to go or how we wanted to get there. So it was really ultimately i guess a failed angle <laughs> but all right well, let's talk about all of it then. yeah so i mean so that was again we, we were building to that first match at, at cold fury that's in february usually february march yeah. i don't know pretty soon it's going to be in june <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so i mean we did like a, we did like a whole big entrance at cold fury for preston we really wanted him to feel special yeah you, you did know, you had a live band live band we had women there for him but we wanted him to lose there we thought it was a good kickoff, you know, and a clean, like just want a fury to beat him because the one thing for all of Jimmy Preston's, you know, everything that Jimmy Preston is about, you know, Brian Fury was the wrestler, you know, so we wanted Brian Fury to beat him, um, to kind of kick that off. And now this, then now that story transitions a little bit to become about forces Preston to get serious now, you know, like get serious. And, you know, he's got to, he's got to figure out how, how he can beat, you know the guy, widely considered the best wrestler in the company. Because um, a, a, a prevailing philosophy also in wrestling booking is, you know, if the babyface wins right away, where do you go from there? The right. whole the money's in the chase. If and if the you know the heel wins, the heel gets over, the heel gets over, and then when the babyface wins in the very end, that's the big pop. That's the big right. payoff. So the, the the whole idea originally for the angle was Fury wins at Cold Fury. Uh, Jimmy Preston wins the Chaotic Countdown, which is Chaotic's Royal Rumble, and just like WWE, you get a title shot for it. Yes, um, that's that happens. That pop. happens a lot. Like yeah. you know, whatever happens in the the big company <laughs> kind of trickles down to the independents. Um, Everyone has a Money in the Bank for right for their uh, company exactly. these days. So then, basically, what that would turn into would be finally Fury antagonizes Preston to the point where Preston, the babyface, puts up this guaranteed title shot defending it against brian fury he finally beats brian fury maybe we come back with one more we didn't know if it was going to be you know 
we didn't know if we were going to come back with that a third singles match or not but that to us in our mind would have would have propelled jimmy preston to go on and and we were going to have him wrestle wrestle chase del monte who been the chaotic champion now for 12 years something that i'm not sure even (laughs) we make clear here that brian fury wasn't the chaotic wrestling champion no brian fury was not the chaotic wrestling champion uh, so he, it, this is the few that kind of propel him. He was like the Jake Roberts, the guy that Jake prepares Robert, him. Jake Roberts, Ted DiBiase. Yeah, <laughs> prepares him for the, for the big uh, championship match. Right, exactly. So going into this Cold Fury, I, me and the Playboy were teaming against Team Friendship for the tag team titles, and me and Jimmy were going over the tag team titles there. Uh, largely in the same mindset of the Preston Fury feud of we go over there, they beat us later on type of thing Mm -hmm. but jamie as he likes to do here we go again dug his heels in (laughs) well we're telling the story this is a true story and he didn't think that with a crowd that would have some casual chaotic some casual fans there aside from chaotic diehards he thought it was awful because we wanted traditionally to you put a big on the independent shows where there's intermissions you put a big match to close you know the first half yeah to close the first half and that was the match we wanted to close the first half and jamie thought with team friendship losing to to the malonis brothers that there's no way on earth we can have jimmy preston lose to brian fury at cold fury under no circumstances could he lose so um after lots and lots of deliberating and you know he had a he had a baby face going over in the main event right yeah chase Delmonte was a baby face dijak was was the heel and yeah I, i mean there's still to this day i i do not understand the logic there's no justification for that'll be a good one we when we play our new segment coming up that we're going to reveal to the fans at some point mike yes um there's no justification (laughs) for that it made zero sense why brian fury couldn't go over in that moment it actually sent the entire feud off kilter and the rest of it stunk for a number of reasons um but mainly because now now we have to have brian fury win the had a countdown because you can't just have Preston win again because now Preston beats him twice and then Preston's going to beat him at the end like what the hell's the intrigue in that that's stupid like you need a little tit for tat and so now Brian Fury wins the chaotic countdown and why under any circumstances would a heel who has a guaranteed title shot ever put that up so then we had to find some convoluted way where where Brian had his we had his Brian students with him too as like his his lackeys mm-hmm. and brick mass stone like accidentally put the contract on the line um, <laughs> accidentally it was awful it was awful it was there was just it was a way we had to get because we just had that monkey wrench thrown in like we had it really well laid out um ironically that was the beginning of the end of me getting really burned out with booking because the way i feel is you're paying me to do a job let me do my job until i until i prove that i'm incompetent at it in which time you can reprimand me or fire me but I don't know. Let me do my job, <laughs> you know. Like, but in the end, also they're paying the bills, so they yeah. I mean, that, that, that's why that's why I lost the the battle because I don't sign the checks. And um, but yeah, let's not put it all on Jamie because you said also that uh, Jimmy, oh, yeah. Jimmy Preston kind of. Well, yeah. So it would have even if we had done it the way we wanted to, uh, things kind of started to go um, off kilter, and. Jimmy Preston had a he documented it all over his social media so this is not groundbreaking news. Jimmy Preston had a WWE tryout and they passed on him. And Jimmy Preston was obviously crushed by this, which I've been there. I I get it. But I've also had the door shut shut in my face 
I don't even know how many times I keep coming back. Right. Some people have the fortitude. Some people don't. Um, oh boy. I, I think it's what do you want out of it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, are you gonna? You know, to me, one no shouldn't mean one no doesn't mean no forever. I don't know. Like, yeah. But anyways, um, so all of a sudden, Jimmy just kind of stopped communicating with us. We didn't know if he was going to show up. We didn't know anything. So we were just going to keep the title shot on Fury. This is going into the fight, like the match with the contract up. Right. So we finally get a hold of Preston and he agreed, oh no, I'm coming to the show. I'm coming to the show or whatever. And, um, I, you know, at that point we had decided, no, Brian's just going to beat him and keep it. And we can't put this on this guy. We don't know if he's going to show up show to show. And, Jamie thought it was a poor payoff for where we had been going and said that we should definitely put Preston over. I said, well, you know, I agreed with him from the standpoint of that's what the fans want to see. Where I disagreed was going forward, we're putting ourselves in a corner here. And he said, well, we'll be able to get ourselves out of it if anything happens. But I think he's good. I said, okay. (laughs) So then I had to call Brian Fury. I'd already called Brian and told him he was going over. I had to call Brian back on the phone. And tell him, and again, this is really where the burnout starts to happen. Because now I have to call a guy back and tell him, oh yeah, now you're not, you're not, you're losing again. So, sorry. <laughs> you know, and kind of get the questions of, okay, that you know, that's fine. But this guy is flaking out, like, why? And I didn't have a good answer for him. So Preston comes, he wins, and then we start building up him up to the very next show because now he has the guaranteed title shot, and he flakes out again. And we did, we don't hear from him. We don't know he's coming to, if he's coming to the show. We don't know what's going on. So he does come to the show. We finally convince him to come to the show because he's advertised. And that was when they, he was going to say he's injured and can't wrestle anymore, and that's the infamous promo with me where I just took a dump all over him. <laughs> I think I wished him dead in the promo. Um, Might as well. <laughs> I think the line was because he had one of his catchphrases: "Throw ride or die." And I and I said, "Oh, throw ride or die." That's kind of funny. When I hear you talk, I wish you would die. I think that's what I. <laughs> I think that's what I said. Um, there was a sellout at the monitor in the back for that for that promo, which we'll peel back the curtain. Everything I I didn't I didn't not sincerely mean everything I said, but the it was an angle. You know, yeah. Like Jimmy knew what was coming. You know, we had talked about it. You know, we were trying to create because we thought Jimmy at that point was just, no, I'm gonna take a couple months off. And I'm gonna come back. So we thought, okay, we'll set up this angle. This would be really good payoff. Now, I mean, I was legitimately getting like people just crushing me on Twitter because uh, he had then did a video and did like a statement online about it, and I, people were just coming at me like crazy. On <laughs> it would have been great, but um, but yeah, even when you lay out. This is the 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 initial thought is the best of booking because you get really excited and you have this this guy who's hot and the people are loving and you have this great wrestler like Brian Fury and you just have this these two things you can tell this amazing story um, that that me and Tarzan when we laid out the whole thing just felt like this is gonna this is gonna friggin' rock this is gonna like this is gonna be awesome people are like people are gonna be talking about this angle like in chaotic you know chaotic fans I mean I mean again. Let's put this into perspective right. here. We're talking about an independent wrestling promotion that draws 200 fans, you know, twice a month. Right. So this is not, you know, 
This is not like I'm not talking about this in in the in the same ilk as like WWE booking. Like I understand that. So if people are sitting there listening to this thinking about that, like uh, that's not my point. Right, but if we, didn't, to, if we didn't yeah. care about it, then the fans wouldn't care about yeah, it. Yeah, so exactly. To, we'll and we're just trying there. to give you a mindset too of like what it's like to book on any level. Right. Um. And and then just kind of took it to the worst of, and really it was the beginning of the end for me as the booker because I really just had it sucked out of me between, you know, between the disagreements with Jamie over the angles to the, the Preston stuff, you know, dealing again, dealing with talent and to, to his credit, Brian Fury was tremendous through all of it. Just, okay, that's fine. I think it's stupid, but that's <laughs> fine. He was justified. He would, he, I, Brian would have been completely justified at telling us to piss off in all honesty during and that can angle. I, and can I ask if you weren't the booker, if you were in Brian's position, would you, I would you not, would've... I would not have played it as cool as Brian. Right. No, absolutely not. I would have been like, you know, f this. I'm like, this is ridiculous. This guy's playing games. Here I am. I'm busting my ass. I'm here every show. I'm passionate about this. And this guy, we can't even get to show up to the show, you know. And I'm not ripping Jimmy Preston. I like Jimmy Preston, you know, on a personal level. I actually like, I actually like Jimmy Preston, you know. So this is not me ripping Preston. And and if I hope he doesn't take it as that because it's not. I, I think it's a pretty accurate portrayal of the situation. You know that mm-hmm. happened. I think Jimmy would be the first to admit that maybe he didn't handle those situations best. Um, I, I think he would at least. But it is what it is, <laughs> you know. But no, I would. I would not have been like Brian Fury was in this. I would have said, I'd have been like, "There's no way, absolutely not. This is ridiculous. Like I'm not playing this game." You know, I would have just either no, I there's no way, or I would just get me out of the angle. <laughs> like it's so amazing the irony of you know. You would be your own worst nightmare if you were a booker. <laughs> Are you seeing this, Brian? Are you seeing this? <laughs> I, I am who I am, man. And no, it, I, I, yeah. and 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 that at that point, my position in chaotic wrestling, like, like I, again, like I, I go into new places. Like, and this is all in the context of chaotic wrestling, where I've been for fifteen years, and you know, have been everything from ring crew to the booker. To the guy, and really, aside from being a booker, I was running the entire company. <laughs> like Jamie was basically just signing the checks, you know. But I was essentially running the company, and so within the context of chaotic wrestling, like I, f- I felt like I could do that. <laughs> Maybe yeah. it's not right, <laughs> but you know. But again, it's just because I had been there for so long, and, and again, I, the positions I've been in in that in that company, and I felt really invested in that company from a personal and emotional standpoint, which probably led to some of the problems I've had with them over the last year or so because of my emotional attachment to to everything there. I mean, passion is a big thing and I said talked about it before not too long ago about people thinking, you know, saying wins and losses don't matter. You have to care if you want the people to care. And I I, I mean I stand by that. And you know, you were talking about the best laid plans don't always work out. Uh <laughs> Let's talk about you talked about the main event of that show with uh, Fury and Preston on the undercard was Chase Del Monte versus Dijak. And I kind of had a hand in setting up that angle with Dijak and Chase. And we talked about how, you know, WWE is kind of a reflection on the independence. And we do a show in December, which is before Cold Fury, the big show, usually in February, uh, called Pandemonium, where six guys battle 
for the main event of Cold Fury. Whoever wins that match between those six guys goes on to challenge for the title at Cold Fury, just like for the Royal Rumble. So we decided, Dijak was the heavyweight champion, and we decided we wanted Chase to challenge for the title at that Cold Fury and to go over. So, okay, sounds easy. All you have to do is put Chase in pandemonium. He goes over. They go to Cold Fury. Simple enough, right? Well, we find out December, it's the last show of the year, and I believe Chase Del Monte had a wedding to go to, or he was just going oh, home. Oh, I forgot about this. Yeah, yeah, he couldn't be at the show. Yeah, he couldn't be at the show. <laughs> so this pandemonium match, the Chase has to win to go to face Dijak for Cold Fury. He can't be there. So Tarzan, I was helping out Tarzan at the time, and Tarzan's like, okay, we had to put someone else over we had to go with another plan or i didn't realize i was in a triumvirate there <laughs> you were around for that too <laughs> yeah yes i was the main booker that was tar- after tarzana come back oh, okay well uh, yeah i i went oh, I lent this is breaking hand. news here to me <laughs> i lent a hand for this so um yeah so he was like okay maybe we'll have someone else go over in this and then have them challenge at the january show to get you know, to get Chase in the position to challenge Dijak. But I had the idea of something different. I wanted Dijak, the heavyweight champion, to go over in pandemonium, somehow enter that match. And what I came up with was Chase Del Monte. He wasn't there at the December show, as I said. So we recorded something backstage with Chase and Dijak in November to air during the show in December. It was all filmed backstage, and what we did was he had Dijak attack Chase as he was supposed to be heading to the ring to be part of the Pandemonium match, because the Pandemonium match had uh, staggered entrances, kind of like Royal Rumble, but there's only six guys. So Chase was to be the last guy to go in there. So as Chase was to make his way, his music plays, and he doesn't come out. His music plays again. He doesn't come out. So we send a camera backstage, and what is shown on the big screen is what we recorded last month, since Chase couldn't be there this night, of Chase being laid out by Dijak. And then Dijak comes out in his place. Dijak wins Pandemonium. And then Dijak and Chase at the January show, they set up, they do an angle. Uh, Chase returns, you know, all beat up from, from the show before, and... There you have your angle to create the match for Cold Fury. So there was a huge monkey wrench thrown in, you know, not by management, but by the talent who, I mean, uh, he gave us plenty of notice, but we found out after we decided Chase was challenged for the title that he couldn't be there for the show to set up the angle. So this is the kind of workaround that we came up with to have the match actually go through and end up taking place at Cold Fury where Chase went over on Dijak for the Catholic Wrestling Championship. So a little behind Didn't the scenes. did your extended hiatus start somewhere in there? Because I believe you came back to referee that match. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I Actually, as this was going down, I kind of tried to give my notice in December. And Jamie said, uh, I think I did it like the week of. And he said, can you give us till the next show in January? And I said, okay. And... Uh, I, I actually believe Cold Fury was in March, so I missed the February show and then came back to main event. Uh, to main event. I came back to referee the uh, Chase versus Dijak match at Cold Fury uh, and just kind of closed the book on my career. Because as yes. Yes, yes, folks, Mike Crockett will referee again. 
but only if in the main event. <laughs> Mike Crockett is Dennis Stamp. Yes. That's the main event. <laughs> As with you, uh, I felt that I was uh, running a lot of the ship, and it really kind of bogged me down. It kind of um, took the passion away. It took the, the fun aspect away from being a part of the wrestling business. So I, yeah, I had to step away for a while, and I have kind of successfully – well, kind of stepped away from the wrestling business, and uh, then you kind of, then I, I dropped it all in your lap, and then you kind of felt the pinch, uh, you know, not too long after that. Yeah, I mean, and keep in mind too, these are not like I di- I didn't receive a penny more for all the additional duties. Um, right. Nor, nor, and I, this is not a this is not a shot, at Jamie. I did not ask for a penny more either. Right. Um. So, um, I, you know, I. I these are not high-paying positions we're talking about here. Just because you're booking a wrestling company doesn't mean you're getting paid well. Um, this is largely you're doing it and you're putting in all the work and time and effort just because it's something that's supposed to be fun and you're passionate about. And uh, both of us, I think, have the same emotional attachment or at least did to chaotic wrestling at that juncture. And that's why you know, it was something we cared about and we wanted to help make it better and see the company move forward. Um, so that's why we did it. And again, this, I feel like all I've done is like taking the dump on Jamie and like Jimmy Preston and, and just know like Jamie is one of my closest friends. <laughs> yes. We don't always agree business wise, you know, and that's, I mean, that's why I left for however many months I did. We don't always agree business wise, but on a personal level, we are great friends, you know, and, and again, it wasn't, I wasn't trying to levy criticism or bury Jimmy Preston either. Uh, I think Jimmy Preston is a guy who left probably a lot of money on the table for himself. Um, not only just making it WWE, but probably on the independent level. But he's also a guy who's moved on and, and is happy in life, which I'm, I'm, I'm pumped for him because I like Jimmy personally. Uh, so I'm pumped he's moved on and is happy with his life and has amazing things going on in his personal life away from wrestling. But, uh, to tell the stories from my and again there's three sides of every story there's your view my view and the truth so you know jamie might get on here and tell you a very different story if he if you know if he were if we let him on here or or jimmy preston might tell you a very different side of of that story um and and i understand that and i can i i I freely admit that this is the truth as perceived by me right i mean We've been talking for a while about booking. We should close this. I out. was wor- I was worried about this subject that first, and you brought it up. Like, oh, yeah, man, how are we going to fill an hour with this? But, <laughs> but <laughs> leave it to me. <laughs> we, sh- we, sh- we sure did. Uh, what now? So, what would you say to people listening to this right now on the NAI Network who whose aspirations are to write for WWE, to write TV, to be a booker for an independent wrestling company or or bigger? I guess maybe we should just say it's not all it's cracked up to be. It's it's, it's very hard. I mean, I mean, you hear the story, the notorious WWE stories of how hard they are on writers. And I can't speak to firsthand knowledge, but you hear stories of like how the burnout factor and how notoriously tough that is. But um, on this level, Mike, there's two jobs in wrestling that I never have any desire to do again. Uh, one of them is training, mm-hmm. and the other is booking. Yeah. Um, it's a thank. It's a thankless job. You're never going to make everybody happy, but there are those rewarding moments. Um, at the end of that cold fury, uh, where we had a legitimate sellout of seven sixty seven oh, was, wow. was the number. Uh, wow. A paid seven sixty seven paid, which people said we papered that event. Which go f yourself. 
<laughs> like if you're honest to God, and 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 there's maybe there are people getting back to, and probably some people I like who have said we papered that event. No, we did not. Go f yourself. We legitimately sold 767 tickets with no names. Well, the only name on there was Warbeard Hansen working for Ring of Honor, but Warbeard had been our guy for 10 plus years. So to our audience, he's not a name. Right, you know, at least especially at that point, you know, he had just really started establishing himself with Ring of Honor, you know. So we didn't have two years ago the hot indie name, like we didn't have anybody like that. So you sit back after that show and you see how many tickets you sold, and um, the, how well the show went off, and just sit back and like, like, just it was my proudest moment, like as a booker, was at the end of that show. It's it's a lot of hard work, and you put in a lot of time, and there's not really any financial reward at the end of it. I mean, if it, I can't imagine anybody really wanting to just, just get into wrestling and be the book. Well, I don't know. Get, being part of the creative process is really fun. It's really freaking fun, as evidenced by the 700 podcasts out there that all do fantasy WWE booking, which we really try not to do. And that's not a shot at any podcast that does that. It's just... I, I I would put my head through a wall if we fantasy booked WWE every episode. Like I just can't do it. Um, and we but, talked about me like in the first episode of this podcast how I started out doing like uh, a fantasy wrestling game, the IWA, yeah. and dealing with you know pawns on a chessboard. Just dealing with fake wrestlers is much different than dealing with real life talent with emotions with voices yeah. guys care yes <laughs> more than you more than you ever will will realize guys care about winning and like that's and that's the thing that Tarzan talks about too is the and and I think you can vouch for me in this I've never been a, I don't give a shit if I'm winning or losing mm. come on like give me that like I maybe I know I'm a pain in the ass but it's never been about do I care about winning or losing? It's no, I think that stinks. That's that's not going to be entertaining. Like that's not going to be good. When you lose, <laughs> you're <a> bastard. <laughs> like, but guys do care about the wins and losses more than you'll ever realize. And that's not a knock on anybody. It just is what it is. Um, because as a wrestler, you're just you're not seeing that side of of those other guys because they're not having those conversations with you. It, it's a tough job, man. It's it, it's fun as hell. It can be rewarding when it goes well, but. To me, the the you know you sit down and make a list of pros and cons. The the con list would far outweigh the pro list for me in the booking department. All right, like as you said, we've talked for a lot longer than I. Yeah, why don't you shut up once in a while? On this and uh, we want your feedback, folks. Tweet us at the WPAN on Twitter or go to Facebook.com/slash the WPAN with your thoughts on booking and your questions. If you have more questions, if we've uh, the stuff we've talked about has led you to ask yourself. Uh, this or that about booking about what we've talked about in terms of these specific angles let us know give us your questions of what it takes to book an independent promotion uh, every thursday on our bda bonus podcast we do something called merv griffin time that's a talkback segment where we interact with you the listener tweet questions for myself or the kingpin as well we'd love to answer them for you use the hashtag wpan so we can find it easily and we'll mention you and your tweets this thursday on the bda bonus episode on the wrestling podcast about nothing but we also do voicemails 
and we don't have any, Brian. I'm very disappointed. Uh, we usually do voicemails. We actually did voicemails on Thursday because last Monday the voicemails didn't quite work out for us. We, do, we legitimately don't have any. This isn't you uh, not being able to figure out your phone? <laughs> yes. I, okay. I legitimately we uh, <laughs> don't have any voicemails this week, but we'd love to hear from you folks. Get your voicemails in. Ask us about booking. Anything else, we will play it on the podcast. Call 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. Or make it even easier for yourself. Go to Facebook.com slash the WPAN on your phone and make sure you click the like button and then click that big blue call now button and you will be connected directly to the voicemail line. You can leave your voicemail and we'll play it on the show. One of the voicemails we discussed on Thursday was from Mike Mills and it's coming up February 20th. The Uncivil War, North versus South. Mike Mills representing the Southern style of wrestling and the Kingpin cele- uh, celebrating the Kingpin. <laughs> he is representing the great North of wrestling. I talked to our good friend Mike Mills today. Be on the lookout for uh, me appearing on, on Book in the Territory here. I think I think it's coming out this week. All right. Book in the Territory Pro Wrestling Podcast with Mike Mills. That is wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, he is at BTT underscore podcast on twitter so make sure you uh, check out our good friend mike mills of book in the territory and while i'm at it why don't i just say check in the boots oh, that boy. is at chip k ctb at referee tony s they do a podcast it's usually released on sundays so check for it wherever you get your podcasts itunes stitcher all those deals and also the hurricane rana they do facebook live every wednesday at facebook.com slash hurricane rana wrestling so uh check them out as well all right brian let's do our promo about nothing but before we get into that let's talk about our sponsor people ask me what do you mean bdaradio.com what does the bda stand for bow down architect yes seth rollins was taken down by triple h last monday on raw or more specifically triple h instructed samoa joe to take him down and in the process of taking him down rollins re-injured his knee now seth freaking rollins can barely freaking stand (laughs) nice (laughs) and speaking of standing BDA Radio really stands for the most unique commentary on mixed martial arts and pro wrestling on the internet. They don't break news, they break the news with their wild commentary regarding MMA and wrestling. Head over to BDARadio.com and check out all the latest news on UFC, Bellator, WWE, and much more. Rebuild, reclaim, and rejoice at BDARadio.com. What are your thoughts on what happened with uh, Seth Rollins? You hear, uh, hear a lot of reports that maybe he'll be back in time for WrestleMania. Yeah, I, I, was, I was actually listening to our uh, to uh, the New Age Insiders on the way to your house today, and they were highly speculating that uh, it's not maybe as serious as uh, you know anticipated. And I hope it's not. I don't want to see anybody get hurt, but especially a guy who's about to go after he just missed WrestleMania last year. You know, would hate to see that. So, speedy recovery, Seth Rollins. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, you know, Meltzer. Meltzer is reporting <laughs> that. Uh, Perhaps it's a four to eight week recovery time, which will leave him time to come back for WrestleMania, and we'll have to see. And uh, yeah, good luck. And Samoa Joe, I mean, he's thankfully on the main roster now. Samoa and, Joe. Yes, and we will see uh, what's in store for him now that uh, Rollins will be on the shelf at least for a little while. We'll see what goes on with them as they go into the uh, 
the Raw pay-per-view coming up soon, but first is Elimination Chamber for SmackDown. Uh, and we'll probably talk a little bit about that later on. But now, it's time for the promo about nothing, Brian. It was January of the year 2000. Y2K. Oh, boy. The promotion was the WXO. WXO, huh? The WXO. I can't imagine why I've never heard of this. <laughs> it's one of those startups, Brian. We'll talk about it in just a second. But you have to hear this promo from a man who was coming soon to the WXO. A good friend of yours. One Johnny Ace, also known as John Laurinaitis. In 2000, he was coming to the WXO. And let's take a listen to him expound on that in this week's promo about nothing. Johnny Ace, man in Japan. I'm in Tokyo right now, and all I ever hear about is this WXO. What does the X stand for? I don't know. I don't care. But I'm coming to kick some butt. On the internet, the media, the press, they keep saying, Johnny, are you going to the WXO? And the answer is obvious. Yes. If you don't got it, get it. If you don't get it, figure it out. <laughs> All right. Johnny Ace. I, I, I'm totally confused here. When, when did the sale of WCW happen to WWE? It happened 2001. Oh, okay. But, so he wasn't working for WCW at this point? I guess not. <laughs> this is the, the, that's why I'm confused. We should do some research, shouldn't we? <laughs> I know. I actually looked up WXO anyway, and one of the articles was titled A Promotion About Nothing. <laughs> which <laughs> Very I thought fitting. Was, was appropriate. Uh, it was one of those kind of fly-by-nights that bought a bunch of syndicated time on big stations in New York and Chicago, kind of like the, I don't know if you remember the AWF back in the day. I do not. They had bought... <laughs> You know, they bought time on all these stations. You know, a guy with a little bit of money. This guy's name was Howard Lipkint. His um, figurehead president was Ted DiBiase, and they had a bunch of guys like Barry Darso and. Um, so basically, this guy had a lot of money. One guy figured out how to get a payday for him, and then got all his friends big paydays. Yes. Okay. And they did one TV <laughs> taping, and that was it. <laughs> That's because the guy ran out of money, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. So they did three weeks of television. That was about it. So how do you like this uh, Johnny Ace interview? It stunk. He's <laughs> very, very excited. Yes. Uh, yeah, unbelievably so. <laughs> I don't think anybody in Japan was asking him if he's coming to the XWO. I feel, <laughs> the like, he was, XO? I feel like he was lying there. I feel like he was lying. <laughs> well, and if you don't know, you know, figure it out. <laughs> oh, I think I know. <laughs> yeah. It's... Uh, so, do you have any Johnny Ace stories, really quick? I think I've already told the, the Johnny Ace story on here, where uh, where I was at TV and he grabbed me, and I didn't know why he was grabbing me, and you know, I was gonna. Uh, we told it with Todd Sinclair actually uh, about setting me up for the do the commercial with Sandman. As he wanted you to be Santa Claus, right? He wanted me to be Santa Claus, and apparently I was too tall to be Santa Claus because I'm taller than the Sandman. So he goes, he, he said, "Why don't you do a commercial with a hack?" Yes. That's what apparently he called Sandman. Well, then, he, was, he actually was hardcore hack in uh, <laughs> WCW. And I stood outside a production truck for like 10 minutes while he went inside. And I thought, you know, so at least that point I knew what was going on. And he came out and told me, you know, I was too tall. I couldn't do it. So, yeah, that was my interaction. And then, um, and then uh, Johnny Ace, I also did talk to um, 
um, I went to TV one time and I went up and approached him and, you know, talked to him for like 15 minutes and I had a great conversation with him and he had seen me at a tryout just a week earlier and um, he, he liked me, just wanted me to lose weight and I did and yada, 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 I'm doing this podcast with you. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and what's wrong with that, Brian? What's wrong with that? Uh, so you heard this promo about nothing. If you want the full picture, find the link to the video in the description of this episode on the NAI Network. All right, Brian, you're hitting the highways and byways. Crisscrossing this great nation of ours, plying your trade as a professional wrestler, and I know for sure you got some big, big dates. <laughs> yeah, this this Saturday night, uh, I'm heading to uh, the great state of Pennsylvania, the city of Pittsburgh, uh, to be exact, and uh, I will be participating in a uh, international television taping for Ring of Honor as part of the 2017 Top Prospect Tournament. So mm -hmm. it's, uh, no pun intended, a great honor, um, oh. and uh, hopefully... Um, I think that was intended. <laughs> hopefully this is um, the beginning of something, not a, you know, hopefully this is one day we're talking about uh, how that was the catalyst for uh, much bigger things coming for the Kingpin. So uh, obviously I'm very excited and that's the chance I've been waiting for 15 years for. And to be able to finally, you know, I've never wrestled a match on national TV or international TV before. Uh, so this will be a first for me, and like I said, hopefully this is a hopefully this is a starting point, man, because it's just everything I've ever wanted, <laughs> just a chance. Uh, I've ever asked for is an opportunity, and and they're giving me the opportunity, and I, I'm just excited and grateful, and you know all sorts of warm, fluffy feelings, Mike. Well, I'm here. <laughs> I'm behind you. I'm sure all the people listening right now are behind you. And behind uh, me, you're gonna trip me, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> come on, come on. I do have some other February dates. I, I will throw out there. Uh, when it's actually a Wednesday. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, it's a, a Wednesday show. It's during February vacation, so bring the kitties out. UFO wrestling uh, in Malden. I'll be taking on Furio Falcone. Long dramatic pause. <laughs> and what, uh, what date is that? That is Wednesday, February 22nd. Check out uh, UFO February Vacation on Facebook. Uh, the 24th, I return to Chaotic Wrestling in Woburn. I don't know what I'll be doing yet, but check out chaoticwrestling.com uh, for all the details there. And then the 26th uh, at the Aurora Providence, I will be returning to Beyond Wrestling. Uh, I know my match. You don't know my match yet, though. And oh. uh, it'll be announced soon, and it's it's going to be intense. So okay. It's going to be a big one. So, And that's what I got going on for February. But obviously right now, all eyes are on... Uh, this coming Saturday night, buddy. All right. So if you want to book the Kingpin before he blows up, email him, <laughs> Brian Malonis at Comcast.net. My, my booking fee is like that. Like It's like that little meter, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Spinning around in circles? Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. And uh, also you can DM him. He is at Brian Malonis on Twitter. Before we get out of here, I want to talk about uh, our friend who we lost this past week. Uh, his name is Eric Arsenault. We called him Mako um, for a very strange reason that I won't really get into. <laughs> but um, uh, I met Eric when he came around. Uh, when I first started coming around Chaotic Wrestling in, I believe it was the year 2000, he was a fan. He was sitting in the front row, and he was heckling. And he heckled. He was... He was one of the best. <laughs> he was an the elite. Best, Jerry. <laughs> he was an elite heckler, and he saw me, and 
he just started calling me Weird Beard. <laughs> Weird Beard. Wow, maybe that was inspiration for Warbeard. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Weird Beard. And he had some like uh, tremendous heckles. The one that always sticks out in my mind was uh, Chris Harvard or Chris Nowinski was in the ring for Chaotic Wrestling before um, he was signed, but after he did the first uh, Tough Enough. And. You know, Maven was the winner of the first Tough Enough, and he, his heckle for Chris Nowinski was, Hey, Chris, how big are Maven's eyebrows up close? <laughs> <laughs> Which just floored me. It's so tremendous. Just a, a, a completely original heckles from, uh, from Eric. But from there, he became, he did commentary. Do you notice he did commentary one time? For probably one of the worst chaotic wrestling shows, uh, it was the Hardcore Battle Royal show. Okay, oh, you were in the crowd. I think I was in the crowd. Yeah, I, I was. Uh, you one of the few. This is this is when uh, me being a jerk uh, early on paid off to not be part of that <laughs> that abortion. But uh, uh, something happened where Mucko ended up being the color commentator on that show. He graduated from being a fan to being. You know, he was around Fat Pants, and Fat Pants had uh, gotten in as a referee, so Mako was around more and more, and he was the color commentator for that one show. And he, uh, his main objective on that <laughs> night was to put over Tony Omega like a million bucks. <laughs> that was what he set out to do on that evening. And uh, he did it quite well and uh, hilariously at the same time. As I mentioned, he uh, from there, he started booking with uh, Fat Pants. We talked about it earlier when we talked about booking, uh, ironically enough, today on the podcast. He was the first guy, uh, him along with Pants, to push... Hurricane John Walters, who went on to go to Ring of Honor. He went on to do uh, Lucha Libre USA, which was on MTV2 as uh, RJ Brewer. He was the first guy to get behind Warbeard Hansen. Uh, without question, him and mm-hmm. Todd were the first guys to push him. And, and Max Bauer, who we had in the podcast here, he gave, Mucko actually gave Max his name, Bauer, because Mucko was a fan of the show 24. And Jack Bauer was the the main character on that show. So Max was Max Bauer. Was Mucko around when when you first started? Yeah, it was him. It was him in pants. Um, you know, uh, when I first, uh, I think it was Conan teaming with PD Malloy. Mm-hmm. I think Mucko was still there. I feel like Mucko was always around though. Yeah, I never actually had like booking discussions because I think as they alluded to, it was kind of kept quiet that Muck was. He was the me before. Yeah, me. he was the he was the original uh, Booker in the Shadows. Yeah. <laughs> but I think he's a guy who saw things, uh, you know, along with pants, but saw things in people before people saw them in themselves. So I don't know. This sucks. <laughs> like, yeah, this sucks balls like bad. Um, he was such a good dude. It's, um, it's so ironic to uh, I, I don't know. Like I guess be sad. Because every time I think of Muck, I can't do anything but smile because uh, he had an infectious personality, just always funny, always and that laugh, that bellowing, just that bellowing laugh that 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 I'll never forget. Um, and he did it every time. Every time you saw him, the best would be if if, if <laughs> it's gonna sound awful, but if somebody blew a spot in the match or something. <laughs> 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 just yeah just that 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 bellow and my first impressions of him were him with mike jazz sitting in the front row of chaotic and the infamous stink noses they would uh 
they yeah. would give to people and uh him and dukes uh Duke, the roast beef driver and whatever they used to yell out to one <laughs> another <laughs> and just all sorts of um of just nonsense and you know lots of good times and good memories but he was he's a big supporter of us individually and of us together doing this podcast and yeah one of the great things was we actually were able to get him on the podcast for a, much, a co- segment. Uh, much, uh, much coaxing yes <laughs> and he did he, he was on to do what he does best which was to give someone else a hard time and it was his friend uh fat pants who we talked about the win a date with todd sinclair thing and we had Mako on to uh talk about his friend and i guess we'll share that with everybody right now so we have someone uh, affectionately known as Mucko, Brian Malonis, uh, on with us, also known as Eric Arsenal, though. Uh, Mucko, how are you? I'm good. Hello, hello. Welcome, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> hello, hello. Yes, uh, as we were saying, Brian, since we can't get the man himself on, he kind of refuses to speak about this entire thing, <laughs> we, we, will go, we will go to those closest to him. So, Mucko, we've uh, mentioned you a number of times on the podcast, especially when we were talking to one Todd Sinclair. You were co-booker, I should say, with him for Chaotic Wrestling for a few years there, right? That's correct. And so you know this guy. You know him in and out. I've known him for more than 20 years, so I know Todd quite well. Oh, my goodness gracious. 20 well, I didn't years. realize you guys went back that far. Goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Back in uh, 1996, uh, ECW, we met. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so, Mucko, how did you feel when you heard about the win a date with Todd Sinclair contest? And how do you feel now that it apparently is returning? Uh, quite honestly, I was delighted. <laughs> um, nothing makes me happier than seeing Todd being miserable. <laughs> <laughs> it's glorious. I love it. Well, why is he so miserable about this? Because he's Todd. That's what he does. He's miserable. <laughs> you should have seen the look on this guy because I, I was with him Friday we were down in Baltimore and you should have seen the look on his face when he became aware of the Daniel Bryan tweet <laughs> yes I wish I could have seen that you know I don't see Todd in person very often but if I did I would ask him about this every five minutes <laughs> just, just to make him miserable <laughs> so have you talked to Todd at all like texted him or anything like that since this oh, all thing oh, yeah. came out <laughs> um, yeah, but the thing is, is we don't see each other in person. Our main form of, um, what do you call it? Communication. Uh, a communication, yes, sorry, drew a blank there, is by text, which is very easy to ignore. So <laughs> no, res- no responses to multiple texts. None. <laughs> Zero. I tried to get him, I tried to get him on uh, to do Facebook Live with me, uh, either on a car ride or, uh, or from our hotel room, and he flat, out, he flat out refused. Yeah, I'm not surprised. At least I got that one little text that said 100%, meaning 100% not talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, you, a friend of 20 years, he just flat out ignored. Yes. Oh, my God. What's going on with that guy? Hey, that's what he does. He doesn't, uh, (laughs) he makes his mind up and he's done. Oh, my God. Do you think there's any chance that he's going to come around to this whole thing, that he's going to embrace it? No, that will never happen. Um, (laughs) Never. You know, the only reason he did it in the first place is because, you know, Brian Danielson had been fired and he's in a kind of a low point in his life. <laughs> so he wanted to help a friend out. He did not want to do it, but he did it because of the situation Brian Danielson was in. 
So there's no way anyone's ever going to make him feel bad enough again to do this. <laughs> so you don't have any advice for us as to how to get him to at least acknowledge us and maybe even perhaps talk about it with us on the podcast? That will never happen. <laughs> never happen. If, I'll be shocked if he ever even publicly speaks about it, but he will never do it to our inner circle, to our group of friends. He's, he's never retweeted anything we've said about it. He only did a, a thumbs down to Daniel Bryan's post, I think is the only acknowledgement that he's done on this entire thing. Yeah, he, he, will, he will never acknowledge it uh, you know, amongst our group of friends. The only way I can see him acknowledging it is if he gets caught off guard on a podcast like Cocabana's or something like that. Oh, um, goodness, that's a good idea. But he, he, he will never, ever, ever go on your podcast and talk about it. And if he goes on your podcast again and you ask him, he's just going to say, tired, <laughs> busy, <laughs> or busy. He will never publicly acknowledge it in our circle. Well, this is uh, very sad. We thought we might get somewhere and figure out an angle to uh, approach him with. But Brian, I don't know. It's not looking very, uh, it's looking kind of bleak right now. What, are you giving up? Are you giving up, Crockett? Uh, I, no, I no, I refuse. For for. All of the fans, for John Morris, for all the people that have made this thing happen, Daniel Bryan especially, we can't, uh, we can't let this die. But, Mako, thank you very much for at least giving us a little bit of insight into the psyche of Fat Pants, Todd Sinclair. It was my pleasure. See ya! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, that was Eric who, I mean, he would, we'd uh, exchange texts and he'd, add, he'd, he'd say on like Sunday night, he'd say, you know, what's on the podcast on Monday. He was a big supporter of us. And, uh, uh. I mean, ironically, we're probably going to, we're probably going to have him back on to at some point talk about, uh, ECW as well. That was, that was actually a request of, uh, Todd Fatpat Sinclair. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is a tough one. Um, this is, I know it's a tough way to end the podcast, but, um, Eric was an amazing person. Um, I'm not sure Eric realized how much of an amazing person he was and the impact he made on um, so many people's lives in a, in a positive manner because he was. I mean, I don't know. All of, I, all of my memories of being around him are just always being happy and laughing and just uh, the nicknames. We forget about the nicknames, the, all the ridiculous nicknames he has come up with for people <laughs> um, <laughs> that we shall not shall not <laughs> talk about uh, on this. But uh, yeah, sometimes life's, life is a real kick in the nuts. But um, I'm glad we got to talk about him and, and kind of um, talk about our friend and talk about um, what an amazing person he was and um, the contributions he did make to professional wrestling um, because Warbeard Hansen, Todd, said it himself um, that he's probably not doing what he's doing today if it's not for, for Mucko. Yeah, Fat so, Pants at the same thing. Yeah, so there's this is a guy you've never heard of who made a profound impact on professional wrestling that you watch on TV today. Yeah, Um just uh, like as I said, amazing heckles, uh, that amazing bellowing laugh. Um, he gave that to us, and he gave us uh, his friendship and uh, extremely, uh, extremely loyal guy. Very loyal. We're gonna miss him an awful lot. That's I think what we're trying to get out. Um, yeah. There's gonna be 
a huge hole in our in our circle of friends. Um, it's kind of funny. Um, Muck loved uh, he loved the Patriots, and he loved going at me because I don't love the Patriots, and um, and uh, so uh, just watching that game tomorrow, not having those text messages, there's going to be something wrong. Um, and even the last couple weeks, you know, texting with him, knowing uh, he was so sick, but not I guess not realizing um, to the extent um, there were still things to talk about and be happy about in those texts as well. We just wanted to talk about him and talk about how, you know, how much of an amazing person he was. Um, because to us, you know, he was. And I think to everybody... I, I don't I don't think I've ever met anybody who doesn't like Mike. <laughs> and uh so we're gonna miss him. Yeah. Thanks for helping me out, buddy. Thanks for helping me <laughs> no out. Problem. Uh we're gonna close it out with uh his favorite band, Guns N' Roses. Uh so uh Love you Muck and uh thank you very much for listening.
Ain't got 